0: Homestead Connection podcast. Me and Brenna and Steph are here today with a bonus episode. So if you missed our episode a couple of weeks ago, Brenna and I were talking about steps towards self-sufficiency, how to be more prepared, self-sustainable in practical ways around our homes and in our lives. And we decided during that podcast that it was just way too broad of a topic to cover in a 45-minute or hour-long podcast episode and that we really wanted to deep dive different categories of self-sufficiency on their own so we're starting with a mini series a little bonus extra mini series on mondays throughout the fall and winter talking about different areas that we can work to become more self-sufficient and more self-sustainable some of the areas are areas that we already have a lot of experience in and other areas are things that we're learning right alongside of you guys. So we might not have the same personal experience to draw from, but it's still really important topics and thoughts to discuss. So today, me, Brenna and Steph are gonna talk about cooking and how we can be a little bit more self-sufficient and a little bit more prepared in our lives and in our homes when it comes to food preparation and cooking around our homes and around our
1: homesteads for our families. So, does do either one of you have any ways that you cook outside of, like, you know, the typical old stove, you know, electric or gas stove?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, our family has an electric stove that we use just for, you know, daily cooking. But beyond that, we actually purchased a Blackstone grill, I don't know, three years ago now. We use that Blackstone grill all of the time, and it's propane-powered, So we're using that weekly. We learn so many different cooking techniques just from using it, different um, recipes that we like or foods we want to try using the Blackstone. So it's to the point now where I would be comfortable even frying stuff using the heat of the Blackstone and that propane powered source if I wasn't able to use my electric stove
1: in my home. Yeah, propane is really helpful from a from a stove perspective. I've seen people also use it. And sometimes they'll, they'll convert their gas stove. So we have a gas stove. um, And I've seen that there's been kits where you can actually convert some of your gas stoves to propane, which I've always thought was really interesting too. to just have the kit. I don't know that it's something I could hook up on my own. But some But if I could have the kit on hand and if I needed to disconnect and move over to propane with my stove, I really like that idea of being able to cook on propane because it's just so versatile and easy to store.
0: Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. The thing about using gas for me and my husband is that it's so expensive yeah, we're connected to the grid using our electric stove and I know that there's a lot of <clears throat> there's a lot of like very valid thought process behind wanting to be as disconnected from the grid as possible and I'm totally in line with a lot of those opinions and beliefs. But because of the cost of gas, if we don't have to convert our stove over to gas, we'd rather not and would probably reach for propane first before we went the gas route just because it's
1: so expensive where we live oh my gosh it's terrible it's terrible here so in the 90s all the houses here at least Mm -hmm. this is what I heard because I didn't live in Colorado at the time um I was a kid but in the 90s gas was pretty inexpensive and so all because it's supposed to be great to bake and and to cook and all of those things and so they um converted the gas all the stoves over to gas and all of the fireplaces and I know we're going to be talking about um heating and cooling in another one of these but I every I don't actually turn on the fireplace anymore cuz you actually turn it on with the gas but it's like lighting dollars you might as well just light dollars on fire yeah. and let them go up into the ether because <laughs> that's literally what you're doing so I hear you I think that if the house had not already been set up for gas I would have I would have done electric so it's way too expensive I'm of,
2: yeah so we also have the a blackstone and then we also have we have two grills. One is the propane-powered black, um, blackstone and then our we have our previous grill which has charcoal on one side and then propane on the other. So we have that option as well as an outdoor fire pit that has the rack over the top so we can cook over an open flame. Um, I am not as well versed in that as I would like to be, but it is an option. See, with cooking over an open fire, that's something that I have
0: done a lot of because my family grew up camping, just like tent camping as a child. I've done so much camping. I grew up in Minnesota in the Twin Cities. We spent a lot of time up north in Duluth, north of Duluth, beautiful areas, lots of great camping. And my dad was the kind of person who liked to quote unquote like rough it camping. Um, which in my opinion, it was just kind of normal camping, but there's so many variations of camping now. It definitely was like walking it back then. So we had like the little Coleman grill with just the two burners that we could cook on with a little propane if we needed to. But a lot of the cooking, even like making coffee and stuff happened over the fire or in the coals of the fire. So I can truly make a lot of full meals using just a campfire especially if you have a good Dutch oven, there's almost nothing you can't make over a stove. If you have a good frying pan, like cast iron, of course, cast iron frying pan, cast iron Dutch oven, and a really hot, hot fire, even aluminum foil. And I know there's like, we all like to stay away from aluminum, but even the things you can make with aluminum foil over a stove, it's, I'm impressed with myself, the things that I can make, but also it's really easy. It's simple ingredients, easy cooking, you just have to get everything up to temp, but it's like you have butter, potatoes, some meat, other vegetables, salt and
1: pepper. You can make some fabulous meals with an open fire. My favorite thing is an onion with a pat of butter and some tinfoil. I know. And some tin foil in the coals. And then you just let it sit and it gets all roasty and smushy and it's got some garlic in on it too. And it, they, it's you just open it up and it's just absolutely delicious. I love cooking over an open fire or using the coals I think it's a great skill for for people to practice an onion an onion an onion I know I know but my husband makes them so we used to because we used to do a lot of camping um and so we would he would put the steaks down uh on the on the Um, on the grate that goes over the the campfire Mm -hmm. and then he'd bury the onions and the coals and the, with all of that stuff on it. And then by the time you were done, you'd have a nice steak and you'd have a nice onion and it was just delicious. I don't know. Simple. One of the meals
0: my dad used to make and actually two years, two years ago or three years ago, my dad, my family and my sister's family all went camping in Southern Minnesota. And one of the meals my dad made in the fire with the Dutch oven was, um, like a version of scalloped potatoes basically with ham potatoes some like condensed soup and butter and salt and pepper and stuff he put it in in the early afternoon let it cook for two and a half hours in the coals of the fire it was so good and it was so easy to make
1: yeah. You can do that same thing that I said with an onion with a potato and you just stick it in the coals and it does take longer and it is an, it, like an all day thing, but you're not watching them, right? They just kind of sit there and by the time you kind of scrape them out of the coals, they're they're absolutely perfect. Yeah, I love open fire cooking and I think cast iron is so versatile. It's just something good to switch to in your day to mm-hmm. day because you can put it in the oven, you can fry, you can, I mean, what can't you do with cast iron? I don't think there's anything you
0: brought up that it takes longer to make some of these things in the coals which is true but for people who are used to cooking from scratch and having to be a little bit more prepared or laid out with the way that they're preparing food It's not even that much bigger of a difference or bigger of a deal to have to be prepared enough to cook with the fire. True. If you're used to already being in the swing of things with making bread and letting it rise and judging how long you have to have before it's supposed to bake. Or if you're used to using your smoker and how long you have to put stuff on the smoker and give it time before you can eat it and stuff. And so certain things where I feel like, oh, learning to cook over an open flame sounds intimidating or it could be a high learning curve in a lot of ways it's almost simpler as long as you have the forethought to know kind of how far in advance you want to start preparing your neat meals or building your fire or whatever mm-hmm. can't do a lot of baking i guess over an open well i guess some baking but not like real. i mean
2: you could do it with, with the dutch oven yeah the dutch oven put the coals on top and then underneath like a cake
1: yeah um Johnny cakes, you can do like corn, you know, cornbread and stuff. It's not going to be like a white cake with the ice cream and or it's the not icing it. and the sprinkle. White, right? Yeah, no. I have a solution
2: for the baking.
1: What's your solution? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's hear the solution We've a problem or a white
2: cake baking. <laughs> so we recently got a all American Sun Oven, um, which basically. It it's a box with a glass lid and then it has reflectors that shine the reflect the sun basically back into the all black interior box of the oven and you cook with the sun <laughs> a cake yeah with icing and i made and all that good. i made cookies in it a little while couple weeks ago um but yeah you can do cakes you can slow cook in it um just kind of directing it to where the sun is going to be for like the peak heat season or the sun's peak point of the day um so that would be between noon and like two four o'clock Um, You would want to put it there first thing in the morning, and then as the sun kind of makes its path across your property, it will heat up the oven, and then it will obviously pass the optimal area, but it will retain the heat and continue to cook like a crock pot or a different slow cooker would do, so you could slow cook in it. Um, Your baking times, as long as you're out there adjusting it, are fairly similar to what it would be just sticking it in your oven in your house. Um, You can um, purify water. I think you can. Oh, I don't remember. I know you can purify water to where you're able to drink it within that thing. Wow. There's a ton of stuff you can do.
1: How do you control the temperature? So if cookies are supposed to go in at 350 for Mm -hmm. 10 minutes in a typical onion oven. (laughs) oven. got onions on the brain now um what how do you adjust it to 350 or 450 or whatever for the for this
2: so you while you're before you start making your batter for your cookies i guess depending on what type of cookies um you're going to want to preheat it so you will take it out um there's a there's a little dial i guess a dial type thing on there that helps you see where it's aligned with the sun so that you're getting direct sunlight into it it has nothing to do with the outside temperature it is all sun that's all it is it could be negative 20 degrees outside as long as there's sun shining you can you can cook with this thing so you want to have it aligned with the sun Um, with the lid closed and there's a temperature gauge in there and it will heat up to 300-350 within about 20 minutes. Um, And then uh, you just put your... You don't want to use I guess like stainless steel or the shiny um, pans because they will reflect the the sunlight out. Sure. So you want dark colored. um, If you order... The pan's directly from All-American for the Sun Oven. I want to say they're graniteware. But just any dark colored pan with a lid, if you are actually cooking things, if you're just baking, you don't necessarily need the lid. Um, You just, I just have a dark cookie, like a round cake pan, I guess, that we did the cookies in and just sat it down in there. Um, Yeah, Brenda's got (laughs) pictures up. This makes me want us to do video podcasts. Oh, that's because oh, cool. While we're talking, Brenna's
0: got the sun oven pulled up online. so we're able to look at these photos as, oh yeah, it is the granite where I see exactly mm-hmm. yeah yeah, but then mm-hmm. excuse me, this is why we need to do video podcasts so that people can can watch a log while you're talking. So
2: if you are right, yeah, we're working podcast, on yes vote. I'll put a poll, vote and vote <laughs> and vote if you want um if you want video podcasts. If nothing else, I could share about it in the stories on Instagram.
0: Yeah, you should. You really should. Because yeah. this is really interesting to me. It looks very primitive, but it's <laughs> yeah. efficient. Also, it's a lot mm-hmm. bigger than I thought it was going to be after seeing yeah. life-size photos of it.
1: Yeah. Me it too. Is I thought it tiny. Yeah. Huh. I didn't think... I thought it was going to be less substantial, too. It looks pretty substantial. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I th- I wasn't sure what to expect as far as what it looked like. This is really neat. Is this the same company that does, like, the pressure canners? Yes. Oh, I love my pressure oh, canners. So,
0: it's all American oh. pressure canners also have a sun oven.
2: hmm How cool. Wow. Oh. Yeah. There's other brands, but we we just went with all American. Um. But anyways, it's roughly... A twenty minute as long as you have it fully aligned with the sun, roughly twenty minute heat up to three fifty. Um, and then you just bake the cookies for the normal time is all that I did.
1: And they were done. That's super cool. Person's doing a chicken in here. Mm -hmm. That would scare me. Salmonella would scare me. I guess the dial though gets up to the because it tastes chicken is just I cook them. I mean, cook the ever ever loving life out of chicken. Yes. Well, and this dial makes me feel better about it too because you can really monitor the temperature Mm -hmm. inside the oven. That is really neat.
0: And an interesting fact about salmonella is that. Salmonella is only a concern if they're being poorly managed and poorly butchered when they're being processed. So if you're raising your own meat and processing your own meat and you know that you're not accidentally cutting the organs or the intestines in a way that's going to infect the meat, your risk of salmonella contamination
1: is very low. Really? I had no idea. I just thought it was like this mystical thing that happened to chicken. You know what I mean? I had no idea. That's
0: because the U.S. food industry is very big on fear-mongering. Yes, ma'am. You know? It's so interesting. Sorry, our goat is eating all of the frickin' chicken feed. Freaking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> She's got her headphones on. I don't think Peyton can hear. <laughs> Sorry, but
0: Dang. I, this is our last bag of bird feed because they're gonna go to butcher on Friday and I'm gonna she's just chowing down oh it's she's gonna have go get her she's go get her go get her um she's gonna have get her you don't want her to have blood
1: please break for a moment Kylie has to go rescue her meat chicken feed from the goat
0: let's be cute talking them I'll be right back
1: okay
2: <laughs> While she's doing that. I'm going to see if I can find booklet that came with it for, like, all the different things that you can do.
1: Does it come with recipes, too?
2: Mm, they have recipes on their website. Um, they are, like, older videos and stuff, but, I mean, it still gives you the information
1: that you need. Yeah, older videos don't bother me at all. Yeah. I don't know. How much chicken feed did you lose? A lot. I'm going to have to go buy another
0: bag. I just bought that yesterday.
2: There's like this much left of the 50 pound bag. She's going to poop like pure grain. (laughs) Yep. Yep, indeed. (laughs) Anyways, sorry about that. Okay. I mean to. No, you're fine. So the Sun Oven you can cook, bake, dehydrate or boil with it just using the sun. It reaches temperatures between 300 and 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm, You can boil or pasteurize water. That's what it was. Pasteurize. American-made dehydrate fruits, vegetables, or jerky. You can slow cook or cook in comparable time to conventional stovetop ovens. Stovetops or ovens. Sorry. Um, And it weighs 22 pounds and you have no danger of fire. Oh, and another thing is it obviously it doesn't put off smoke because you're not cooking with fire Um, and you can't smell anything while you're cooking. I was going to
0: bring
1: that up. Because ultimately the power source, the energy source is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you did not want people to necessarily be aware and, you know, I'm going to get into my prepper head here in a a second, but if you didn't want people to know that you were cooking or that you had food or disturb anybody, it's a really great kind of way to to prepare food and not bring attention to yourself, which that's, that's nice. And you don't have any risk of fire because there's nothing burning. So from a safety perspective, it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. I have Mm -hmm. something similar to that, but it is not nearly as sophisticated. I got a solar kettle um, from Four Patriots a while back. And it's fun. It's easy. It pasteurizes water. It's great for if you have uh, dehydrated food, which I have quite a few um, containers of dehydrated food. Um, That's why I bought it because I could purify water and then pour it into my dehydrated food. And really, you only need two things. Um, And it's very small and compact and you could throw it in your backpack. But it does not do nearly as much as that. Uh, that solar cooker does that's really really cool
0: yeah that is pretty neat so we have cooking with propane cooking with an open fire cooking with the sun oven gas conversions for our regular grills or regular ovens grills and charcoal is another one too and yeah we have a smoker as well that runs off of well there's a couple ways you can use it but we primarily use smoker pellets so something that we have a little bit um, like a quantity of is charcoal bricks and then smoker pellets so then if we want to use you know if if we just want to use especially especially in the winter time because gas is so expensive i mean our electric bill for our home our gas and electric bill for our home in the winter time is upwards of like $600 sometimes it's just oh remarkable um but uh we keep that stuff in excess it's so easy to keep an extra 3 4 5 bags of you know charcoal around or smoker pellets around they're not Expensive, and then you can you you have they last for such a long time and it's easier to keep an excess of those things around versus like you know propane tanks
1: it is i think it's i think it's a great point that there's multiple stages so i have a fire pit outside i have a charcoal grill outside we have a gas grill outside we have a travel grill outside and then i have camper stoves like the ones that you're talking about from when you were a kid And I have a a quantity of those small propane um, containers that you can use for those. And so I feel like I have a nice level of different ways of cooking um, that can either travel or not travel. And sometimes, you know, it's easy, like you said, it's easier to store propane than it is to store gasoline. Right. But it's... But it's even easier to store something like charcoal. So we just go to Costco and stock up on charcoal and keep, you know, seven bags, eight bags in in the basement downstairs. And as we're running through them, we just replace them the next time that we're able to do it. And it's a nice way to fight inflation in a way, too, because you're, you're, you know, buying stuff when it's going to, when it's cheaper than it is, than it's going to be in the future.
0: Yeah. We don't have a propane grill. We liter- literally just have a charcoal Weber grill. We love that though we have so, so much. You can, you can smoke, smoke on it. It's it's so versatile. It's so consistent and reliable. We prefer the taste of grilled stuff over charcoal anyways. And so the what we're using propane for is legitimately just our black stone. Um and we can we can hook up the smoker to be propane too versus just Right
1: now, I just plug it in. But we we have a generator. We can plug it into the generator. Well, the generator is a great point, too, because, you know, slow cookers, right? That's electrical. It takes very little, um, you know, electrical pull to run a um, a slow cooker, like a crock pot or something like that. So that's another thing to really consider. I have a solar power generator that I bought. It's small, but it will run my slow cooker. and um And that's another way to cook without having to rely on any kind of energy. You know, it just takes a long time.
0: I, want, I know we're going to get into an episode here down the road talking about fuel and storing fuel and different fuel sources. And there's a little bit of overlap when it comes to like energy sources, fuel sourcing and cooking, because so much of what we're cooking relies on and depends on that source of energy. Um, But I'm like, it's just interesting to think about storing the things that you need to prepare food for your family, because it's like the most important part of survival outside of water. And um, propane is such an easy default when it comes to preparing food. So you just think about, I was just thinking about like, oh, how much propane to have on hand or how much propane would I have on hand? And that's hard because it's a per state thing because different states have different restrictions and guidelines on what you can and can't have um, in terms of quantities on hand. Um, And we can get into that at a different time. But when I was talking about just having, you know, wood pellets and, charcoal bricks and stuff like that on hand you know i was just where my mind was having a little bit of an extra quantity of propane on hand if your state allows that so we also have um two wood burning fireplaces in our house so cooking over a fire legitimately within our home is you know out of the question and we always have a ton like cords and cords of wood at our house because we burn all winter long um But if you're someone who would like like to have the option of alternative food preparation accessible, making sure you have a decent amount of firewood on hand, isn't a bad place to start and is very simple, very cost effective.
1: Yeah. As an aside, you can a lot of states, a lot of places have chip drop, which is a, a free chip drop service, but they will also drop off logs. And so you can get logs dropped off and then you can go ahead and have your own, you know, it has to season for a time. So you can go ahead and start stocking your wood now. And what is so versatile, it's a heat source, it's a cooking source, you know, it's, it, and there's no limit to storing it, you know. Um, so it's a nice option to have. I think the key is diversity in your different ways of cooking and then practicing with it. Um, you know, to Steph's point. I wouldn't know how to cook with one of those solar stoves, so I would need to practice with it right now while I'm not in a crisis or while I'm not needing to use it so that when it is time to use it, I can pull it out, not be fumbling around, you know.
0: I love that point that you said, like doing it now versus when you're in a crisis or in a moment when you really want to be able to rely on it. I think that that's an applicable point across the board when it comes to self-sufficiency. You know, if you're talking about food storage, meal storage, things that you want to have in excess if you need to reach for down the road, prepare the meals that you have ingredients stored for to make sure your family likes them first. Or to tweak the recipe the way your family's gonna like it before you're putting away 50 pounds of this and 25 pounds of that. You know what I mean? There's there's so much food out there, there's so many things out there that we can use and have on quote like backup for quote like an emergency or whatever if we need them. But how good are they if you don't know how to use them and your family hates the meals or you know, whatever. So I like that point of like, you know, messing around with it now, learning about it now and prep for later.
1: Yeah. Get the kids involved, get the family involved. It's fun. Um, growing up it was it was not necessarily by choice, but my husband and I got married pretty young. And so we were sitting in our little town home in the military on a military base, like broke as broke as Broke as can be. And we ate a lot of MREs at the time because that's what he could get. And so we would sit there on our camp chairs and we would practice, you know, <laughs> we would practice eating MREs. And it was a lot of fun. And our child, our youngest, our oldest son now, but he was a baby at the time, thought it was the best thing ever. We had so much fun doing it. So you can get the kids involved. You can get the family involved and really have them learn a new skill, too, because cooking over a fire is a skill. It is not something that comes naturally that you can just like throw a potato in a fire and have it work right, you know? Um and so I think it
2: something I wanna say quick. Oh sorry. Go ahead. Something I
0: wanna say quick is get a thermometer. You should have a thermometer, even if you're cooking in your kitchen. Yeah. But if you're using alternative cooking sources, smoker, grill, you know, propane, sun oven, it doesn't matter. Having the thermometer would be a very vital component of cooking with an alternative source, especially when you're coming to meat. I know. I said what I said about salmonella, and I stand behind it. (laughs) But it's still good to know that you're not eating underprepared meats and also maybe even having a chart or knowing what well-done chicken, well-done beef, well-done pork temperatures actually are so that there's not any
1: guesswork down the road. Yeah. And you could even you know, step it up a notch and even prepare the fish that you catch. If you fish or whatnot, you can compare, you can prepare the fish that you catch on the stove. And it's a great way of kind of, you know, doing it full circle. There's just something about getting the food source from a natural place and then putting it on the natural fire and actually completing that whole entire circle, you know, might as well.
0: The perk of fish is that if you don't cook it, you just have sushi. It's true. (laughs) I'm joking. Nobody wants like, no one wants catfish sushi.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yup. So would alternative ways of making, brewing your coffee, would that be covered in this topic?
1: Coffee is a food group. Yes.
2: (laughs) Because I know the last three years, when Snowmageddon has come in February, everyone will be complaining on the socials because they can't have their coffee. Because nowadays, everybody either has an espresso, or they have the espresso machine, or they have a Keurig, and they don't know how to use either a French press, a Chemex pour-over, or just an old-fashioned coffee machine. Nobody knows how to use those. My favorite types of coffee come from an
0: espresso maker, a French press, or a percolator. Those are my three favorite types of coffee, especially French press and percolator. So, I don't even think about that because I have all of say Like, I could easily make coffee over a fire or over any type of... I could light the grill and make a cup of coffee if I wanted to. It wouldn't even
2: be a big deal for me. <sighs> mm-hmm. Because... It's important. And it's just the best yeah. coffee. And that's the same for me. We have the French press and we have the old style coffee machine where you pour the water in the tank. You put the basket in there with your grounds and it basically pours it over the coffee. Well, If you have no electricity, all you do is you heat up your water and then you pour it over the top and it drips down through like it normally would. Or you use a French press. Either way. But I just... Every year, it baffles
1: me. Yeah, that's so that's so crazy to me because I, I hadn't even thought about it. There's this great little old-fashioned, they're made out of aluminum. Um, they're little espresso machines, but you stick them on the stove, but you can also put them on a fire, like on the grate, and so mm-hmm. you have the, it percolates through boiling the water, then it pushes it up. You know, into the ground, Mm -hmm. and that's you can do that anywhere you have a heat source. You can do it on a hot plate. We haven't talked about hot plates, but hot plates draw very little electricity. You can hook them up to your generator, and you can stick that little espresso maker on the hot plate, and it will work the same way. Coffee is important. It comes. One of the fun things about the MREs is that you learn like why they pack the MREs the way that they do, and some of the things that are in an MRE are just for morale they're just to make you feel better. So in MREs, there are um, M&Ms, there's bits of chocolate, there's Tabasco sauce, there's things that are condiments or that we would think would be like superfluous to actual nutrition. But it gives the soldiers a boost of morale just by eating those things. And coffee is one of them. And so I even keep and I know it's somewhat gross, but I even keep instant coffee. I get, I get a big, huge yeah. thing of cappuccino instant coffee with all the chemicals and all the crap in it. But sometimes if you're really in, you know, in a dire straight boiling a little bit of water and throwing that stuff in there, the sugar and the taste and the vanilla and all of that stuff is going to boost your morale. So those things are important, even if it's not really nutritional value, you know, value. So.
2: I don't do those. I just do the instant. I guess it's is it dehydrated or freeze-dried? Yeah, it's
1: freeze-dried. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's all. we. It's a flavor. It doesn't have any sugar or anything in it, but we have that just in case. Yeah. My favorite type of instant coffee, and I actually keep this
0: around um, just for drinking because I we legitimately enjoy it, is it's called Cafe Bustelo. B-U-S-T-E-L-O. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. It's just the best. It, if you're going to have oh, good. instant mm. coffee around, it's so... Rich it's not flat it's just really delicious so if you're gonna have to uh, actually, yeah that's not even a bad idea I we my family hasn't done a lot in the way of quote unquote prepping or long-term food storage or anything like that a lot of the food prep and storage we do is for short-term use um you know a couple of months at a time or whatever but I don't have any instant coffee and that would legitimately be a good thing to add and you just I would only need two or three jars to sit with the food stores to be enough so
2: yeah yeah, you know. but yeah I need to get a percolator or the other thing that Brenna was talking about I can't remember the name of what it is right now but for to sit on the wood stove mm-hmm. during the winter just so I'm not using not that it uses a ton but that way like I'm already using wood as a heat source why not just use it to make my coffee instead of plugging in the coffee maker and doing all of that the thing about getting a percolator,
0: too, is they're so mechanically simple that you can get a cheaper percolator and it's going to last you and last you and last you because there's no moving parts. There's really expensive ones. My dad has a cast iron one that's beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's like beautiful. It just kind of sits on the back of your stove and brings joy. but it's not necessarily like the most practical thing but they're not expensive they're so functional
1: i'm showing on my screen i don't know if you guys can see it or not but that's that's where i got it from was from cuban coffee so i'm from florida right we used to drink a lot of cuban coffee and so that's what they use to make it if you could see my screen and it here they actually have it it's the uh, mocha pot m-o-k-a yeah prima
0: classic I have one of those. I've had it for... I got it when I was in college, probably in 2005 or 2006. So I've had it for almost 20 years,
1: 18 years. And... They don't die. They're forever, you know. You do not die.
2: So do you put the the grounds and the water in the bottom part and then it comes up to the top? No. Go ahead. You put the water in... Go
0: ahead. Put the water in the bottom. And then Uh it... Yeah, it's like the water is in the bottom, and then there's a little container that holds the grounds, and it like forces as the water is boiling and steaming, it forces it up through the coffee grounds, and then there's a top reservoir where mm-hmm. the the water and the condensation steam settles into, and then you pour from that top.
2: So it's like kind mm-hmm. of cooking it and brewing it through pressure, basically. So is it like the percolator where you would have grounds floating around in it? Oh, there's a strainer. Or is no different? yeah there's a strainer in between the two okay, yeah. okay. this might be my option then <laughs> which isn't there like a trick my dad
0: used to do this when we were camping and i don't know what the deal is with it because i didn't drink coffee when i was young but he would just legitimately take the old camper coffee pot with water and the appropriate amount of grounds boil it you know over the fire and then add an eggshell to it and then something about the eggshell is supposed to draw the grounds down. I don't know. I probably sound well. I'll have to text him and find out. But he used to have done that. And I don't know if it works or not, or if it was just. I don't know.
1: I don't know. Someone I have never up. heard of that. But yeah, if any of our listeners have heard of that, I would. I would. Yeah. Eggshell in coffee. Now, what I do do too sometimes if that made sense is I will put a mason jar I'll finally grind up um coffee grounds and then I'll just fill it full of water and stick it in my fridge or put it in the in the ice chest or whatever and then it will um it will slowly mm-hmm. brew and that's cold brew coffee um and I know people spend a lot of money on making cold brew coffee and buying the machines but I love it it's strong it works perfect no, coffee is a really good point. I have not seen a cast iron one like what she was talking about. I'm going to have to go back and look and see. The brand is
0: that, like is like twist or something like that. That brand. They're the ones that have the espresso makers and the percolators that are so beautiful. And they come in a ton of colors. But they're expensive. That's...
1: Oh. Of course they do. I love that. They are. Everything they do is expensive. <laughs> I love cast iron. I'm obsessed with it. So, I mean, like we talk about food and food storage all the time, you know, but I thought, you know, talking about how to cook and alternative ways of cooking is equally important because if your lights go out, you have no electricity, you have no gas, or it gets to be too expensive. I mean, because where we're getting to is where it's getting so expensive. Mm -hmm. I don't want to run it, you know? Um, And so it's kind of like what other options are there? Aside from what we've talked about. I think the sun oven is probably the most unique. I'm gonna I'm gonna get one of those and start playing with it. Like will it work in a Colorado winter? I'm kinda curious. Yeah. We have bright sun, a lot of sun during the winter, but it's also fourteen it, degrees. It sun.
2: doesn't depend on the outside temperature. As long as you can see your shadow, you can cook with it. Obviously, the more sun that is coming through like if it's a cloudy day but not like super cloudy and you can still see your shadow you can use it it just may take it a little bit longer to come up to the heat and cook through and all of that but yeah it just might take it a little bit longer if it's cloudy versus if the sun is just out bright brightly shining with no restrictions
1: i so we talked about hot plates we talked about propane cooking sources we talked about open fire cooking sources talked about solar cooking sources um what have we charcoal what have we missed have we missed anything Mm -hmm.
2: well i mean it's still over a fire but so we have a fire pit but you could also like a metal one we have a metal one you could also dig a hole in the ground and do your fire in that surround it with bricks or rocks or whatever you can find um but you can also do this is something that i want to do you can do a rocket stove
1: have you seen those you haven't seen a what rocket stove. i feel like I f- it sounds familiar but i'm not sure i'm not sure if i'm picturing the right thing is that that little aluminum tube that they have or no? Or is it the one where you bury it? So there's move, multiple yeah, different you ways can you can do this. I've seen it about. where
2: they do it in the ground. I don't know how that works, but they dig holes in the ground and they do it that way. Um, the way that I wanted to try doing it was with bricks. So you basically are staggering the bricks on top of themselves. Um, to You have an opening down at the bottom so that airflow can come up through. And then you have a solid form of bricks around that. And then the next portion, you have an open spot to where you can feed in little sticks and twigs, things like that. Um, And then you build up a chimney. And because the airflow is coming through the bottom and up the chimney, the flames are coming into the chimney and straight up. So all that heat is coming straight up that chimney. You can put a... Um, the burner thing that is on gas dose like the rack you can sit that on top Mm -hmm. or whatever kind of metal I wouldn't do anything that would melt (laughs) because it's obviously above the fire Um, and then sit your pots and stuff on top of that it uses less wood than having it in a fire pit Um, I mean you obviously would have to keep feeding it because it's going to burn through and you just keep feeding it in but that is another option if you don't have a stalk of wood um, or a pile of wood laying around you can just go break up some twigs and stick them in there with some kindling start your fire and cook that way Um, they also I have seen like on Etsy and stuff like that they have them made out of I guess it's just square tubing where they like cut it and weld it and all of that. and It's all metal. It has a little rack at the top for you to set your pots and stuff on. So you can either make it out of some cheap bricks or purchase a metal one. Whatever you want to do. But yeah, rocket stoves. But I mean, it still uses wood and is cooking over fire, but
1: it's different. Yeah, that is different, and I could see you could use <clears throat> you could use a number of things. I think it depends mm-hmm. on what you have at your disposal. It's more of understanding how the is is the you know wh- where where the heat source is and how the wood or the fuel is burning through and where it's directing it. Once mm-hmm. you kind of understand that, you could probably make it out of anything that can withstand that heat. Now that you say that, I vaguely remember. So I saw somebody do this at the beach once, um, and they so they dug two holes and the uh-huh. holes connected through over under a bridge of dirt and on one side they lit the fire and on the other side they put like a grate and they put their pot on top of the grate and because of the way that the Oxygen is pulled mm-hmm. out consistently, similar to what you're saying. the The heat would pull into where that stove, where the pot was sitting, and it was boiling water, which I thought was really interesting. I think the I think the crux of that is, you know, is understanding mm-hmm. how things cook. You know, from a from a chem a chemistry kind of perspective. You know, do they? Yeah. And, and where is the heat directed? And then you could probably get pretty creative. Understanding mm-hmm. fire safety, of course.
2: Right, (laughs) and I've even seen videos on YouTube where they take the rocket stove a step further and they create like a rocket stove oven or they have multiple, um, I guess, burners in quotations where they have two, like multiple chimneys and then you can have two pots going on it at the same time.
1: Yeah. But those those folks did not just one day get up and start cooking like that. I'm sure that they right. probably did a lot of trial and error. So we mm-hmm. we always come back to that get outside, start to think through what your family eats to Kylie's point, what, you know, what fu- fuel sources you have available and what your comfort level yeah. is and start playing, you know. If you don't have money for a $500 solar oven because that's what around what those were running, at least the one that we were looking at, um, and you don't have charcoal or propane or you're not allowed to store those things because of your state, then, um, you know, start to, start to figure out how you want to, mm-hmm. how you would want to do it. And it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to, you know, you're not you know preparing for the apocalypse or anything sensational like that. You're just learning convection and, and fuel sources and yeah. you know, what works for you. And, and I your, guess yeah.
2: for people that are in like apartments and things like that, where they can't do an open flame. I don't know. I guess the like white. a solar generator or something to where you could just plug in and either do the hot plate or a slow cooker. I mean, I guess you could use a pro like a camp stove with propane. I guess that would depend on the apartment complex and stuff, but I don't know. Having this small
0: propane cookers, like the two burner, one burner propane cookers, to me, I'm mm-hmm. like the perfect apartment solution because they're so compact. You slide it on top of a shelf or in a little area in your parking garage or whatever, and then you know you have that accessible and hand-, hand accessible and handy for in the event that you would actually need it. And it's like Brenna said, it's not like we're preparing for the apocalypse because we have to be realistic with some of these conversations and discussions. But you know, if you lose the power from, you know tornado or large storm or you know whatever just knowing that you have that alternative backup that you
1: need you know that alternative backup that you want when you need it right right or even not, I mean, that's what I was talking uh, t- of talking about briefly was, you know, maybe things get too expensive. Like, like you said, my stove is gas powered. There's going to be a point probably because my electric bill and my, my gas bill is similar to yours. We'll get into six, seven, $800. And that's before the season that we're in right now. That was like a year or two ago. So if it gets up much higher than that on principle, I'm not going to want to use my stove because I don't want to spend that kind of money you know, regardless Absolutely. of whether or not I have it. So I might want to try one of these ulterior, you know, cooking methods because one, it gives me practice. And two, I might be saving 20, 30 bucks and on cooking, a cooking a meal. So th- mm-hmm. there's, it's mutually beneficial just for the, from an experience perspective, you know, what I just thought about from an apartment and you know, I tend to, I tend to, I tend to, push the rules a little bit more than probably the other you know people next to me but um you don't say I... <laughs> <laughs> it's the way I was raised um is uh like I've seen people take like a um a tire rim and not with the tire on it obviously just the rim and then put a grate in that and use that to create a of um charcoal grill. So I think depending on the diameter of the thing that you're looking at, you can get pretty creative. Again, just understanding how fire works or how you know, heat works and how it flows. You know, you could probably figure out something from a smaller perspective. I have a travel grill that folds up into this little rectangle, and you can take it camping. You can take it on the beach or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it uses very little charcoal. It uses maybe four or five bricks. You know, and you're not gonna you're not gonna bake a cake on it or anything like that. But you could probably put a couple hot dogs on it, a couple you know um, uh, hamburgers on it, and get get through that way. So I think that there are things that you could probably do even you know, on your front porch or on your balcony in an apartment setting, depending on your neighbors.
0: Right, 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 right. But like, I mean, if we're being honest, like in a situation like this, where if you're wanting to, or in a position where you're needing to reach for an alterna- alternative cooking source, your neighbors are going to be wanting that as well. So I think neighbors <laughs> aren't going to be your enemies at that time. They're going to try to be your BFFs. So they're, they're it's like, very true. You know, there's a lot of good stuff when it comes to I don't know, end of the world or, you know, crisis situations
1: or community even, you know, I mean, I pop my head over my neighbor's house and I know we're not talking about food in this one, but you know, my neighbors now get eggs from me. And so the amount of chickens that I have doesn't matter quite so much because they get eggs and they have a lot of fun watching the chickens. And, you know, so you do build those, those, um, alliances, so to speak, you know, just by kind of opening up the topic. We call call it working smarter, not harder. That's right. (laughs) Well, this has been a lot of fun. Um, I think that we've covered everything. Have we missed anything from a conversation perspective around cooking?
0: Honestly, I feel like we covered more than I initially anticipated, if I'm being completely honest. So that's great. It's been an interesting topic to think through. And um, an interesting thing for me to evaluate our family, our family's cooking And preparedness for cooking and things we can add like instant
1: coffee to our shelves. No, I completely agree. I think the the key takeaway is figure out what works for you in your area and get out and start experimenting. You know, Um, but just don't wait until snowmageddon or, you know, some sort of inflationary thing happens. Well, it's been a lot of fun. We really appreciated you guys coming along with us for this ride. Um, we will be working, I hope, anyway, on some uh, on video podcasts in the future. So please don't forget to respond to that poll that will be down below. And until next time, this has been the Homestead Connection.
2: Bye. Bye.